Well, good morning. Good to have you all here this morning on this beautiful spring day. First and foremost, I want to start out by saying Happy Mother's Day to those who are having the opportunity to celebrate this day. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. The Gospel today is from the 14th chapter of John, beginning at verse 15. Glory to you, O Lord. If you love me, you will obey what I command, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another counselor to be with you forever, the Spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, for he lives with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans, I will come to you. Before long, the world will not see me anymore, but you will see me because I live. You also will live. On that day, you will realize that I am in my Father, and you are in me, and I am in you. Whoever has my commands and obeys them, he is the one who loves me. He who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I too will love him and show myself to him. The Gospel of our Lord. I invite you to pray with me the Holy Spirit prayer in our time of meditation together this morning. Come Holy Spirit and fill the hearts of your faithful and kindle in us the fire of your love. Send forth your Spirit and we shall be created and you shall renew the face of the earth. O God, who by the light of the Holy Spirit instructs the hearts of the faithful, Grant that by the same Holy Spirit we may be truly wise and ever rejoice in his consolations. Through Christ our Lord. Amen. Well, I'm not sure if this is a sermon today or if it's more of a random collection of thoughts. I never know from week to week what's going to really kind of hit me or what's going to really speak to me through these words that are before me that I'm asked to make a proclamation on each week. This is where the Spirit was leading me this week. One of the things I want you to think about today is I want you to think about this whole idea that this message, this message is not for you personally today. This message is not for you personally because Jesus in this passage uses the word you multiple times. Go back and read this passage today and count the number of times that Jesus uses the word you. And what he basically is saying is he's saying, y'all, y'all, okay? It's not the singular word for you. It's the plural tense. And everything that Jesus is saying to his disciples as we, as the ongoing Christian church in the world, because of how we believe that we are the living presence of Christ in the world because Christ is resurrected from the dead and because Jesus continues to live because he overcame death in the grave, that this word that we claim and that we proclaim, it is a living word. It is an active word. And that these words that Jesus is speaking to the disciples... 
Those words are now being spoken to us, us all. And one of the things that Jesus tells his disciples today is he says to them that an advocate, a helper, is going to be with us and that this advocate, this helper, is going to be with us forever. Well, that's a long time, isn't it? Forever is a long time. It's beyond our comprehension what forever even means. But Jesus has given the disciples this promise that this advocate, this helper, is going to be with us forever. He says the Spirit of truth abides in us, in all of us. That the Spirit will abide in us and that we, we, are not going to be left orphaned. Because Jesus lives, we also will live. Jesus is and will be in us, and we also will be in Jesus. Jesus loves us, and Jesus has revealed himself to us, and Jesus continues to reveal to us himself, and that Jesus will, well into the future, continue to reveal himself to us and to the future generations of people who believe that Jesus is the Christ. And I, I think for me, as I've thought about this, I, I think it, it gives us an opportunity, even if it's just for today, okay? Let's just say, it's, it's, even if it's just for the next 15 minutes, all right? It gives us an opportunity to reimagine and to rethink our reason or our reasons for being in a faith community. How often do we do that? How often do we think about or reflect upon or ask ourselves that question, what does it mean for us to be in faith community, to be a part of Mount Olive Lutheran Church or wherever it is out there, whatever faith community is that you have this relationship with, what does that mean for you to be in faith community together? And I want to ask you another question. Have you ever given much thought recently as to why you come to worship on any particular given weekend? How many times have I heard people say, and there's nothing wrong with this because I think this is part of the way that we all think, is that we, we, a lot of us come to church hoping that something is going to be said or that we're going to experience something, whether it's through the, the music or whether it's through the, the choral piece or whether it's through the prayers or whether it's through the word of scripture or whether it's through just the gathering together with other people that we have opportunity to gather with that week. We all come here with our own agendas, okay? We all have our reasons for being here today. And don't get, the, don't get me wrong, this is okay for you to say these things, but how often have I heard people say, you've given me some words of encouragement to help me through the week. Or I hear people say, I needed that word of hope and assurance today. Or how often have I heard people say, I appreciate this church community because I feel loved and I feel welcomed here. Did you hear the personal pronoun that's being spoken there? I, I, me, me, I, me. When we come to church on any given weekend, is it for our own personal faith wellness? Or maybe this is saying it perhaps a little bit too bluntly, but I'm saying it because I'm saying it to myself too. Do I or do you come to church with a mindset of what's in it for me? I think that's a fair question for us to ask ourselves. 
And to probably ask ourselves that on a regular basis, because I don't think that's what Jesus wants us to be doing. What if, what if we came to worship on any given weekend with a mindset of, what is Jesus' message going to be for us as a faith community? And turn that question of what's in it for me into what does Jesus have in store for us today in his word to us? What are we as a faith community going to be able to accomplish? What can we do? What can we as a collective faith community, how can we be the presence of Christ, not only within the context of our own faith community, but also as we then are go out into that larger community in which we live. Now, maybe this might be a little bit of a stretch, or it might be a little bit of a hard question to ask, but I came up with this question. How can this church community be we with you? That's not an easy question to answer, but I think it's worth asking. How can this church community be we with you? And not just with us here in the context of what we have happening here in our ongoing ministry, but also how can this church community be we with the people that we encounter out there in our everyday lives? You know, perhaps President John F. Kennedy was on to something way back in the early 1960s when at his inaugural address, when he asked the nation, he said, ask not what your country can do for you, ask what you can do for your country. Does anybody remember that? I mean, how refreshing, how refreshing it would be to have more of a mindset, a frame of mind of we when we gather. And maybe you do. Maybe you, I'm just, you know, this is just questions that I'm asking today. Not just for church, but also as we gather in our, our various ministry groups that we have here at Mount Olive. And I do believe that that is already happening. It is absolutely already happening. That we do, for the most part, have this frame of mind, this mindset of we, as we come together as our family fellowship committee, as our outreach uh, committee, as our worship committee, as our planned giving endowment, and as our woodshop ministry, and all of the various things through our quilters, through our, our prayer shawl ministry, and you know, whatever those ministry groups are that we have, I do really truly believe that we are asking that question and that we are coming together with a frame of mind of we. And it's something that we need to always have before us. What can we do to be and continue to be the presence of God's grace, the presence of God's compassion, the presence of God's mercy in the world? And how can that be fulfilled through the ministries that we have here at Mount Olive? Asking that larger question, are we as the body of Christ a sign of hope through our collective efforts and through our mission projects? Is the presence of Christ, is his love, is his compassion, is his empathy, is his healing power being felt and shared through our collective efforts as a faith community. And I think if we, we can all think of examples. And one of the most profound places where I saw this sense of collective mission 
in a church community was when I was on my internship year in Seattle, Washington, during my time in seminary. One of the things that they require of you is that while you're in seminary, you need to spend an entire year in a congregation serving as a, well, in some churches they call them a vicar. We simply call them, I was called an intern, going through the things that a pastor would do, being under the supervision of a pastor in a congregation and living ministry with that church for a year. And I was assigned to Emmanuel Lutheran Church in Seattle, Washington. They, as a church body, they did a compassionate and courageous thing. They served the poor. They daringly opened their doors and let people receive shelter. And they helped people to receive the basic needs of life. Food, shelter, warmth safety. But it was more than that. It was so much more than that. Because over that period of time that we allowed those people to come through the doors of the church and to be in a safe place, in a warm setting, to have a place to sleep and have meals together and have fellowship together, there were friendships and there were relationships that were built and that these people that came through the door, they were looked upon as being one of us, and that they were, they were treated with respect and with dignity as human beings. It was a communal we that took on a life that even became bigger than they had ever imagined it to be because the word got out in the greater Seattle area of what Emmanuel Lutheran Church was doing and other faith communities were saying, we want, to we want to be a part of that collective we that you've got going on there at Mount Olive. And so all of these churches from all over Seattle were contacting Emmanuel Lutheran Church and saying, how can we be a part of what you're doing down there? And so they were calling and they were saying, you can come in and you can, pr you can provide a meal for these folks that come into us, our facility every day. And so there were all these churches from all over Seattle that were coming in and providing meals and making a difference in these people's lives. And I can tell you that that collective we ministry that started over 40 years ago is still happening today. Over 40 years that church has been doing that ministry. All of us have those types of stories I think that we could tell person that I read a little bit up on this week is a pastor and theologian. Her name is Chelsea Harmon. And in her commentary on this passage before us today, she makes an astute observation in Revelation. She writes that when Jesus says you, you is plural throughout the entire passage. So when we read this passage, when we hear this passage before us today, we can't just make this about our own personal truths, about what it is that is true about us and our, our own personal relationship with Jesus. She says that we are still, as a faith community, we are still deeply connected to God, the Holy Spirit's truth here. That's kind of a hard sentence to hear, but... I really think she's onto something. We are still deeply connected to God. And we think about God, the three persons of God, 
God creator, God sustainer and redeemer, Jesus and the Holy Spirit, that we are still deeply connected to God, the Holy Spirit's truth. The kind of truth, she says, that's captured by Jesus' command to love God and neighbor. What is the one command that we know Jesus gave just a few verses earlier in the 13th chapter of John? Love others as I have loved you. That is a new commandment that I give to you. And I really believe that when Jesus says, if you love me and you keep my commandments, one of the very first commandments he's wanting us to do is that new commandment that just as I have loved you, you are to love one another. And she says that we are still deeply connected as a faith community. We are still deeply connected to God, the Holy Spirit's truth. And that truth is the kind of truth that's captured by Jesus' command to love God and neighbor as a summary of all of the commands that God has ever given. That the greatest command is that we are to love as Jesus has loved. And then she writes a little bit of a critique, and I think this is worth hearing too. She writes a little bit of a critique about our current world situation. She says, no wonder the world does not recognize this kind of truth. This kind of truth that is captured by Jesus' command to love God and neighbor. No wonder the world does not recognize this kind of truth because... The world runs counter to the kind of love that undergirds its method of selfish ambition and vain conceit. I think that's her critique on basically saying what makes the world go around right now is selfish ambition and vain conceit. Maybe that's a little harsh, but I think she's pretty right on. That if we really truly look at the world situation right now that we live in, much of it is motivated by selfish ambition and vain conceit. We live in a time and in a current political, and I'm, I'm not going to get political here, but I'm just simply telling you that I think this is a reality, that we live in a time and in a current political and not just political, but in a communal civic culture. And that's what I'm talking about when I say the world. And this attitude of selfish ambition and vain conceit. That we live in a time and in a current political and communal civic culture that in many respects has lost touch with fundamental truth. It's a truth grounded in loving God and neighbor. And it seems pretty clear to me. And we can go back over 200 years over 200 years. How long has the United States been in existence now? Over 250 years, right? It's pretty clear to me, even though in their imperfectness as human beings, it's pretty clear to me that our founding fathers understood something about this truth. Have you read the first line of our Constitution recently? We the people. We the people of the United States to form a more perfect union, establish justice, ensure domestic tranquility, promote general welfare. I think our founding fathers understood something about this truth, about loving God and neighbor. The reason that Jesus promised us the advocate, this one who is going to come alongside of us and be with us, is because if, if we were left to our own devices, we are surely going to fail. 
But the one who comes alongside of us, this advocate, this helper, is relentlessly and continually drawing us, drawing us, both individually and communally, back to God and drawing us back to a truth that's grounded in Jesus' command to love God and to love neighbor. Those are my thoughts. Those are my, my, my collective thoughts on this passage today. Amen. The peace of the Lord be with you always. And now will you join me in the Lord's Prayer? Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing, so that you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen.